0: So, uh, some of you may know that we're actually right on the cusp, we're really close to the season of Advent. Um, and I don't know about you, but for me, Advent was essentially a brightly colored Christmas-themed runway to Christmas Day. It was very much waiting for Christ's incarnation and also presence when I was a kid, not how the great tradition of Christian worship sees it in its face In fact, the color for Advent was and still is purple, which is a symbol uh, that is symbolizing penitence and repentance. And throughout Advent, there was actually uh, a spiritual preparation that was taken, self-examination and anticipation of the coming Christ, both in his historical birth, but also in his return. And so for today, I want us to focus on one idea as we look forward to Advent, which is self-examination. Uh, many years ago I had a friend who uh, I went to high school with and um, he into conspiracy theories. And he was talking about a conspiracy theory that was putting lots of corn syrup uh, and corn products into our food to uh, to weaken our immune systems. And he's going on and on about this. He's he's essentially preaching to us. He's going, Oh, you know, you gotta watch And you got to be careful that you're, you know, because the government and this and that. And then as he was saying that, I kid you not, he reached over and picked up a bag of Doritos and started eating them in front of us. And instantly, all credibility was out the window, right? This guy was (laughs) essentially a hypocrite. But I have to admit now, with some retrospect, that for a large portion of my life, uh, especially in my early life and my faith journey, I really struggled with hypocrisy. Because in some ways I knew intellectually the power of Christ in someone's life, and assuredly I would be more than willing and happy to preach that idea to friends or to anyone who was asking about my faith. However, when it came to the way that I acted, spoke, and the habits that I fell into, there was nothing actually very Christ like about it. Because it's easy to say the right things, or what I like to call the Sunday school answers, it's a different challenge, truly to live out our faith in in, in daily ways, in minute-to-minute ways. In lots of ways, my life looked a lot like the world. And in our gospel reading today, we see Jesus addressing hypocrisy head-on with the people who should know better, the Pharisees. And I'm sure that we have all heard the adage, uh, do as I say, not as I do. But Jesus, when he's speaking to the people, he kind of tweaks that a little bit, and he essentially says, do as they say, but not as they do. Jesus acknowledges that the leaders and the Pharisees they positions of authority and they teach the law of Moses but he also points out this glaring issue for they preach but do not practice in other words the Pharisees were saying the right things but not living according to those words and they knew the right answers but they didn't take them seriously for themselves and just to be clear, by saying that, I'm not saying that there's a government conspiracy to put corn syrup in our food to weaken. I want to clarify that in this day and age. This is going out onto the internet, so you just never know who's going listen to it. But in a world who desperately needs this solid and honest and genuine, authentic Christian witness, hypocrisy, I think, is actually one of the biggest and most destructive landmines to our witness and our presence in the world. And I don't often quote Billy Graham. Uh, But I agree with him when he did say that one of the greatest enemies of Christ today is religious hypocrisy. And very tragically, in the last couple of years, you know, the media has had essentially a field day with a number of very notable and public Christian leaders who have had these massive falls from grace. And rightly, those people were called to own their behavior because of what they preached. They stood for Christian values. But when it came to it in their private lives, they didn't deliver on what they preached. They were religious hypocrites. And hypocrisy is a stumbling block in our spiritual journeys, but it's not just to us, it's also to others. Because in this day and age, I have, in talking with friends, and these are, this is anecdotal evidence, so I'm not making a, a huge statement, but in this day and age, it seems that a lot of people who didn't grow up in the church or just are Christians, they know what Christians believe. Jesus' teachings were, I think they have some general ideas that Jesus spoke about loving your enemy or loving your neighbor. But beyond that, um, there's conflation with other belief systems. There's all sorts of information that's just just not correct. And so when we act in a certain way, it actually preaches or says something about what we believe, whether it's accurate or not. Act contrary to what Christ calls us to do, it leads to confusion and what I'll call a delayed hypocrisy. If you're acting one way and later on down the road, someone then hears Christ's teaching and they realize that it's contrary to the way that you've acted, what are people to think about that? And as I mentioned, I went through a long period in my younger years where I was very much living a life that probably led to a lot of confusion and and this sort of delayed hypocrisy for the people around me. How I treated others, what I said and did, values stood were really, frankly, a pretty jumbled and confused mess. And when it came time to share my faith or the gospel with others, and there were times for that, I see now that in a lot of ways I was not playing with a full deck of cards. I wasn't able to truly stand on anything when I would talk about Jesus or God. I might be able to get away with, you know, Jesus loves everyone, but in no way was I really able to see, see how he has changed me. And I think that would have been a much better witness. I think in all honesty, I really looked a lot like the world and the, my, the things that my friends were doing and with some minor Christian-themed caveats sort of here and there. And so, really, in one sense, how were people to take me seriously? But on the flip side, I clearly remember some folks who were Christian in my orbit, friends, and they were probably actually sort of following a lot of those commands. They were keeping faith in a lot of things, but there was one thing they were missing, which was love. I think in some ways for them, it was really about being seen as good or moral, and there was a sense of pride taken in saying, you know, I don't do those things like you do, and here's where I'm better than you. Whereas I was probably more aligned with the proverbial tax collectors of Scripture, here it was the Pharisees, ultimately. But Jesus warns about this too when he says they do all their deeds to be seen by others. Because one thing or one characteristic of hypocrisy or hypocrites is that they seek the applause of the world rather than seeking to honor God and to serve others. They love the place of honor and they love the best seats at the feasts, but they miss the humility and service that Christ calls us to. So if looking like the world is not the way, and being a Pharisee isn't the way, what is? What is this third way? And I would argue that it is the way of the cross which Christ offers to us. Earlier in uh, the book of Matthew, which we read today in chapter 16, We were in chapter 23, but in chapter 16, Jesus says this very striking thing. And starting in verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? put it in another way there's an english theologian and politician his name was john owens he lived a very long time ago he said very aptly we die in the lord to live with him and live in him and while we die in him we know that we shall live by him when we seek the way of christ's cross we are simultaneously agreeing to obey his command while also submitting to his will and the call of humility in our lives it's a response to That tax collector mentality, it's also a response to that pharisaical mentality. Because we are dying to the world or worldly things, but we're also choosing humility and a release of pride. We're basically saying it is no longer our way, but his. So to circle all the way back to our self-examination for Advent coming up, I want you to be encouraged to consider a couple things in the season coming ahead. Consider how we will use this season from a spiritual perspective. Will we simply float through our lives as we always have? Will we get caught up in the distractions and the transience of the season? Or will we, amongst the anticipation, also look inward and consider where we need Christ's work in our hearts? Will we root out hypocrisy in a posture of penitence, or will it be the status quo moving forward? And secondly, consider this, that anticipation often partners with preparation. When you anticipate the arrival of guests for a visit, you reconsider the state of your home and you address the needs therein. A self-awareness develops that may not have been there before about dust and carpets and refreshments and all sorts of other things. You don't demolish the house and start over, but you take a look to change the inner state of the house as it already is. That's a simple example, but I think that it does good to inform us about this posture for this upcoming season where we anticipate, but we also seek penitence. But from a practical point, I want to leave us with a prayer exercise that I have felt uh, is very helpful for me and I've actually found uh, is helpful in this sort of endeavor and one that is really good for self-examination. Uh, some of you may have heard of or know St. Ignatius of Loyola. He's most Famous for developing a rule of spiritual practice, but he also founded the Jesuit order in 1500. May have actually come to our prayer retreat that we just recently had. It was actually at a Jesuit retreat center, and so you might have seen some big pictures of him. Uh, But Saint Ignatius lived a really very interesting life. Uh, One of the lasting spiritual legacies that he left was the prayer of examine. And the purpose of this prayer is a couple things, but it's primarily to help one, enter into a reflective mindset that leads to a closer relationship and interaction with God. By reviewing our daily patterns, our activities, and our, in our interactions with others, it's a way of recentering ourselves on God and as the name ex- suggests to examine ourselves. And it's very flexible in terms of its format, but it kind of goes like this. You start with some gratitude. You reflect on the events and experiences of your day and you consider what you can be grateful to God for. You can review, you mentally go through the events of your day from beginning to end with a focus on your emotions and your interactions. You pay close attention to moments where you were following God and maybe in ways where you were off a little bit. Then there's sorrow. You're acknowledging and taking responsibility for your actions or attitudes that weren't in alignment with God. And then resolution. There is looking back in uh, on yourself to commit to thinking about and focusing on those ideas more with the help of God's grace. And finally, There is an asking for God's grace. And for some years, I was actually part of a group of people who were in ministry together who committed to an Ignatian spiritual formation cohort. Lasted two years. And in that time, our spiritual director really drilled the examine into us. Uh, We incorporated that into our daily practice. We spent seasons of doing the examine daily for 15 minutes, either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. And it is amazing what you can see when you start to actually pause and look at yourself and look and listen. And not everything about that is easy, in fact, uh, but it actually was very liberating and freeing because as you take a closer look at yourself, you actually invite God into those places for guidance and healing. Because ultimately, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out and to lead us into paths of reshaping. And if you want to know more about the Prayer of examine, you can come talk to me after. I'd be more than happy to tell you a little bit about it. There's some great easy resources out there. Uh, But for the more adventurous, of course, nowadays you can pretty much Google anything. So you could Google it and look. a Great YouTube video out there somewhere with your name on it. It is one thing to sort of identify our spiritual struggles, but it's also another to have resources and tools to press into when we are in need. So I really do actually encourage you to, to think about something for the season ahead. And lastly, a a parting thought for all of us. We have an amazing chance to be a new generation we grapple with places and Christians were known. Authentic witness in a culture that is, in general, actually marred by hypocrisy in all areas. It's not just the church that experiences this. Local politics and government. Organizations, social groups, and especially businesses and corporations are all guilty of this. So what a beautiful witness we actually have. We can practice what we preach, put our words into action. If we say we stand for peace, we should be peacemakers in our lives. If we say we stand for justice, then we should live fairly and treat others justly. If we speak about forgiveness, then we should be forgiving those around us. And if we say that Jesus has changed our lives, we should live changed lives, not guided by legalism, but out of a love and devotion to God. So this Advent season, as we look ahead, may we also look inward at our own hearts, seeking to live authentically and honestly, living one life, not divided by hypocrisy, but one unified life, ultimately giving glory to God.